You're listening to Up an Octave, a podcast by Sonivia, the podcasting agency that believes that women and non-binary people deserve to take up space in the podcasting industry because our thoughts, voices, and stories matter. Here you'll learn how to make dope podcasts that inspire, educate, convert, and most importantly, make your voice shine. I'm your host, Rue Spence, and I'm here to take podcasting up an octave. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Up an Octave. Today, I am giving you the lowdown on mics. Your microphone is one of the most important podcasting decisions you will make, and it's an investment. Even if you're doing everything else super cheap or for free even, your mic is going to be somewhere that you are spending at least a little bit of money. So you should get a microphone that you love. It can be hard to decide which one to buy when you can't test them out to see how it sounds on your voice. And there are a ton of great mics that just don't sound the way you want to sound. So I decided to do this episode because I kind of collect mics at this point and I figure even if you can't hear how they sound on your voice, maybe hearing how they sound on my voice would help give you an idea of what you're working with. Quickly before we get into the sound comparisons, I want to give you a little bit of an understanding of how mics work. Without getting too technical, there are two basic types of microphones, condenser mics and dynamic mics. They function similarly, but their inherent differences make them better for different situations. So first up, condenser microphones. These are incredibly sensitive. They're great for picking up little tiny nuances in your voice and a broader frequency range. So this makes them fantastic for working in a recording studio environment that is completely sound treated and really gives you some high quality tones. Unfortunately, this also makes them way more likely to pick up the barking dog three apartments down from you if you are recording at home. Dynamic mics, on the other hand, are way less sensitive. This means that you have to work to be heard. You have to kind of, quote, eat the mic if you've heard that term before. But the benefit is that if you're recording in a regular space like a guest bedroom and not a soundproofed recording studio, you're less likely to pick up those additional sounds. Condenser microphones also require a power source in the form of phantom power, typically from a mixer or they're going to pull battery away from your computer. Something else worth considering is that because of their sensitivity, the construction of condenser mics makes them far less durable. If you travel with your mic and conduct interviews at different locations, or you know you're just a little bit harder on your gear, or you have a baby who's harder on your gear, hi, you're definitely going to want to consider that as a factor as well and maybe lean towards a dynamic mic. I honestly believe that 90% of podcasters are better off using a dynamic mic. Now, let's talk about the difference between USB and XLR. You can get condenser or dynamic mics that are for USB or XLR. Now, USB is going to be, it plugs straight into your computer just like a flash drive and makes it ideal for plug and play situations. You don't typically need any additional drivers. You don't need any additional mixers or interfaces. They just plug straight into where you'd plug in a mouse or whatever, a webcam, a flash drive, etc. It plugs right into that USB slot. An XLR mic 
on the other hand, requires some type of mixer or audio interface, and that can complicate your setup just a little bit. If you're not someone who feels super comfortable with tech, a USB option that just plugs straight into your computer with no other moving parts to get haywire is probably the most stress-free way to go. XLR mics are not hard to work with. Audio interfaces are relatively simple to set up. But if you're like, I don't want any extra fluff, there's nothing wrong with just going the USB route. The caveat to that is that if you are looking to record with more than one person on different mics in the same room and you don't have like separate computers, you'll need to go the mixer route. That way that you can have the multiple inputs because that's not something that can currently work with just the USB for most computers. I have heard of some people who can like make it work, but that requires a lot of stress and a lot of headaches. So if you're looking to have multiple mics in the same room on the same computer, you're going to want to have a multiple channel in mixer or audio interface. The same is also true if you are someone who records on the go, if you do a lot of live events or going to where your guests are to interview them. A USB mic just makes it so that you don't have to have quite as much gear in your bag. And honestly, even a lapel or a lavalier mic, the ones that clip straight onto like your shirt, those might be a better option so that you're not stuck traveling with a bunch of extra cables. Do beware that XLR mics are often cheaper than their USB counterparts. Part of this cost is built into the audio interface. So for example, the XLR version of the Rode Pod mic, which is what I recorded the first episodes of this show on, it's about $100, whereas the USB version of that same mic is about $200. With the XLR version though, even though it is cheaper, you're also spending like 200 bucks on an audio interface. So the XLR setup ends up being $100 more. Girl math. If I have totally made your eyes glaze over and you're feeling intimidated, start with a USB mic. There are a ton of serviceable options. There are also options that have the ability to either be USB or XLR. So if you're like, "Hmm, maybe I'm curious about it later, you have the option to have it grow with your show. I also realized that I didn't explain what XLR means. And it's the three-pronged plug-in as opposed to your USB, which is the little rectangular guy that goes into your computer. If you've ever seen like big professional audio cables, they have the little three prong in a kind of a triangle that plug in, that is the XLR input. So as I mentioned, I have a little bit of a microphone obsession and a lot of that comes from the fact that I don't like to recommend anything that I haven't personally worked with. So I have collected a little bit of a stash over the years. Part of that's also just from being in podcasting. As long as I have, I have tried many different mics to see what I like and what works well for me. So today I'm going to be doing a comparison of untreated and treated audio on three dynamic mics and three condenser mics. I will hop onto that microphone and give you a little bit of a sample of what it sounds like. And then I'll also let you know what it sounds like without any editing done. So if you're someone who's still learning to edit, or you're not super comfortable with editing or want to edit in a different way than I do, you'll be able to hear just what the mic itself sounds like. This is the Fifine AM8 with the standard treatment that I do for my voice. I've leveled the audio, reduced the background noise, equalized, and set the luffs. This is going to be the standard treatment for all of the mics. 
Anyway, the AM8 runs about $50 and it can be used either as USB or XLR. Currently, you're hearing it as an XLR, but they sound pretty similarly no matter how you plug them in. I think that this is the most accessible option for a mic, and it's the mic that I recommend to almost every new podcaster. It still gives you a nice richness while limiting some of the background noise. I think it makes for a great home recording environment microphone. And something else that I love about this microphone is that even if you are using it as a USB mic, it has a direct monitoring. So you can plug headphones into the mic itself to hear how you sound. This is a fantastic feature because it lets you understand how you're sounding and what the mic is picking up. There are times that when I have my headphones on, I would not be able to hear my husband in the other room with the baby. But because I can directly monitor with the microphone, I can hear what the microphone is hearing. So maybe with my own ears, I would be able to hear husband and baby. But because the microphone is not that sensitive and it's really only picking up the first sound that it hears, which is my voice because I'm eating the mic, it's not able to hear husband and baby. And this is what that same mic sounds like without any treatment. Other than setting the luffs, just because I don't want to make anything too loud or too quiet. If you're not sure what luffs are, you can go back and listen to the episode that is all about what are luffs. It's called Turn Me Up, Why Luffs Matter for Your Podcast. So this is the Fifine AM8. It is a dynamic microphone. And like I said, it runs about 50 bucks, which makes it the most accessible on this list. Okay, this is the Rode PodMic. I used this one for the first dozen or so episodes of this podcast. What you're hearing now has been treated just like the last one. I am using the XLR version of this microphone, which runs at like $98. I love how much isolation you do get with this microphone in the home studio environment, but I find that it makes my voice just a little bit brighter than I like. I have a nasally Midwestern accent. If you have a more like laid back, rounder, West Coast, Caribbean tones, those type of voices I think work really well on this mic and I think that's a really sweet spot for them. But for my voice, it just makes me sound a little more nasally, a little brighter, a little more Midwestern than I super love. Again, I use this microphone for this podcast. I would not use it if I didn't like it. I do like this mic a lot on my voice. It just has a little bit more of a brighter resonance than what I prefer, which is what I get with the Shure microphone, which is what you were hearing at the start of this episode and what you'll hear next. But before that, here is an untreated sample of this microphone just to give you an idea of what it sounds like right out of the box. Okay, so this is the Shure SM7DB. This is what I record my episodes on now, and it's what you heard the first half of this episode was with my Shure SM7DB. This is the new version of the SM7B, which has kind of become an industry standard. The downside is that it is notoriously quiet and typically needed a cloud lifter to get volume without fuzziness. The SM7DB, which came out last year, has a built-in preamp to eliminate that issue. I love this mic and I love the way that I sound on it. It has a little bit of a learning curve to get the settings just right with the built-in preamp, 
and the $500 price tag is a definite barrier. I don't think that you need this mic, but if you are a go big or go home type, this one is a solid pick. I've been really happy with it, and because I'm so comfortable with editing, the little bit of fuzz that you get from it being a really not super sensitive dynamic mic doesn't bother me at all. And then here it is without my standard treatment. You'll hear a little bit more fuzziness on it. So if you're not comfortable with editing your audio for quality, this may not be the right choice for you. All right, so we are now in the land of condenser mics. This is the Fifine T669. As you can see, I really do like Fifine. It's the same brand as the AM8 that you heard earlier. And this was the first real microphone that I bought myself after using a video gaming headset for the early days of my first podcast. I bought this mic because I thought it looked cool. It came with a desk boom stand and it was only $50. It's important to note that this mic has seen some shoo. It has been hauled overseas and back and dropped and handled so it probably doesn't sound like it did when it came right out of the box. I wouldn't choose this mic again because I think that the AM8 is just leaps and bounds above it because it is a dynamic microphone. This mic being a condenser mic just means that you hear a lot more everything. My husband is in the military, and when we lived in Germany and I started my first show, you could hear the artillery fire from the base. That's how close we lived, and you could hear it on the podcast, and we'd often have to like hold for artillery when they would do tests. So because of that, having something that just picks up all of the sound, you would hear a lot of that background noise. And even to this day, you'll still hear dogs barking or my family in the other room, any of those other sounds. You're just going to hear a lot more of them with the condenser microphone. So it's not that I think that the T669 is a bad mic, but it just wouldn't be my pick unless you have a super, super sound-treated space. And here's an example of how this audio sounds without being treated. I'll add that this one is a USB mic, so it does just plug straight into your computer without any additional hard or software. All right, so we are back in the world of... XLR mics, and this is the AKG P120. I love this microphone. I love how I sound on it, but it is still a condenser mic, so I'm hesitant to recommend it to most people. But if you are dead set that you want a condenser mic, I really like this one. I tried this one out at Guitar Center when I was in the market for a new mic, and I just fell in love with how I sounded on it. Unfortunately, it is a condenser mic, so it's not super applicable to most of my recording abilities. But if I were to be in a more studio environment, this mic would be my ride or die. I really enjoy it. It's about $75. As I mentioned, it is XLR, so it does go through the interface. But I'm a big fan of this one if you have the treated environment for it. And this is what it sounds like without any additional treatment, just having the luffs set. This is how it sounds right out of the box. All right, it would be pretty much illegal for me to end this episode without talking about the Blue Yeti. That is what you are hearing right now. And for good measure, my neighbor's dog is barking outside and I did just hear Olivia wake up. So there is some background noise happening. I'm curious to hear 
how much is actually going to come through once I've treated the audio. So what you are hearing right now is the treated sample of the Blue Yeti. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you already know that this is not my favorite mic. I don't think it's a terrible mic, but I think that it gets used improperly far too often and that there are better ways to spend your money. This one is a USB mic that clocks in at about $100 to $130. What I do like about this is that it has different settings. So right now I am using the cardioid setting, which is the one that looks like a heart or butt cheeks. And that is making it so that it is picking up what is pointing towards my mouth. There are different settings on this mic, and I oftentimes see that people use the wrong settings, which leads to picking up even more background noise. So for example, I am going to switch to the omnidirectional setting now. So this is the one that looks like just a circle. And already even in my direct monitoring headphones, which is something that I do like about this mic is that it has direct monitoring, I could hear how the sound changed just from changing from cardioid to the omnidirectional setting, which is the the circle setting. I see people using this a lot and this automatically picks up more of the echo, more bounce, more of the unwanted sounds that are coming from other places in your house or in your community. Something else that I see, and we're going to switch through podcast magic back to cardioid. Something else that I see is that people address this mic incorrectly all the time. Because it looks like what we traditionally think of as a mic, people want to talk into the end of it. So that sounds more like this, and you automatically lose a lot of the richness and the nuance that you do get with a condenser microphone when you're talking into the pointy end of it as opposed to now when you're talking at the label. So you want to talk to the blue logo. That is where the pickup is, and it's going to give you a lot richer of a tone. I don't love this microphone. I think there are better ways to spend $100, but you can make it work. And this is what it sounds like right out of the box with no sound treatment whatsoever. Not my favorite, not the worst, I will say that it is a super hot mic as well. So it picks up really, really easily. So make sure that your gain is turned down enough so that you are not experiencing clipping. I can see already that there are a few places that I have clipped. And if you're not familiar with what that means, it's where your microphone essentially goes louder than it can process. So on your DAW or wherever you're recording, you'll be able to see it kind of looks like flat lines at the top and or the bottom of the audio track. I kind of joke that this is like a a fresh haircut, which is where it looks like someone just got really blunt bangs because typically our waveforms have little zigzags and, you know, up and down and, and these really beautiful shapes. When you're clipping, you just get these heavy flat lines at the top and the bottom. And it's where typically laughter or if you're getting really animated, that's where you'll see clipping. I'm trying to make myself clip right now. If I go like this, I'm getting some clipping right now. You can kind of see it a little bit and you'll be able to hear the difference there too. I do sometimes clip on any microphone is a thing that happens and it's just because you get a little too animated and you forget your good mic etiquette. 
this is also why it's important to be not so close to your mic because you can definitely see now that I am clipping and I'm saying that you can see it but that's because I'm looking at it you can hear it you can hear the difference between when I'm clipping and when I'm not all right that's enough of the yeti this is probably the only time you're going to hear me talking on it so I wanted to make it count Let's head back over to the Shure SM7DB to wrap up this episode. Ah, home sweet home. All right, so we are back on the Shure SM7DB, and I want to just give a few options for how to save yourself a little bit of money on your microphone. So as I mentioned earlier, I went to Guitar Center, which is where I fell in love with the AKG P120. Sometimes they have great sales. What I really like about Guitar Center is that you can kind of save your money by not buying a mic twice because they do have mics available for you to try out. Yeah, you can return stuff, but I like to go on the floor and actually put on the headphones and try on different microphones for size. Try them out there or your local music store or Best Buy often has places where you can try them out. So I would go there in person, see what you love on your voice, and then if there is a sale at one of those places, awesome. If you are definitely trying to save some money, I recommend eBay. That's where I got my Blue Yeti because I was like, I know I don't like this mic, but I want to have one to use as a teaching tool, basically. So I copped it off of eBay for hecka cheap. I also really like Reverb. Reverb Reverb.com is where I got my Scarlett 2i2 interface. Facebook Marketplace is actually where I copped the AKG P120. So there are a lot of different places where you can buy microphones or any gear that is not as expensive as retail. Obviously, you want to be careful that you're getting something that has been taken care of. But just like anything else, you know, if you're buying a couch off Facebook Marketplace, you do the same things. Buyer beware, but that is how I save some money on my gear. Hi, I'm interrupting the show to tell you about something special, a chance for us to connect one-on-one. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast and aren't quite sure where to begin, or maybe you've got a show already, but you're not sure how to grow, I want to let you know about my free consultations. Yep, that's right. Absolutely free. No strings attached, no pressure, just a chance to chat with your fairy pod mother, that's me, about turning your podcast dreams into reality you'll walk away from our conversation with actionable steps to take, whether or not we end up working together. Think of it as a gift to you and your show as a thank you for listening to the podcast. If listening to me here isn't enough and you're ready to take the next step, let's chat. Find the link to book in the show notes. Now back to the good stuff. All right, today's question comes from Fiona. And she says, I'm in the early stages of planning my podcast. I'm curious about your perspective on monetization strategies for new podcasters. What approaches do you recommend for generating income without an established audience? So I recommend for new people who are not at a threshold where ads are going to be very generative for your revenue, where companies aren't reaching out to you quite yet, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to try and monetize that way, I really like Patreon. I think if you can create a very intimate community that is community-based and feels like real people, that is such a great way to generate income through Patreon. Because if you were relying on ads that are, you know, 
sense on the hundreds of listeners, basically. It's it's tough to get to a place where you are making real, real money on ad revenue. Starting out with a Patreon where you are crowdsourcing. If you have 15 people who want to be Patreon members at five bucks a month, you're going to make hand over fist so much more than you would off of having 5,000 listeners on ads. And you're also going to create a community that feels more human and isn't intrusive. If people are subscribing to your Patreon, they want more of you. They are falling in love with you. They don't necessarily want to hear an ad for a meal kit service. And chances are, if they listen to a lot of podcasts, they are already hearing that ad or an ad very similar to it. I definitely suggest Patreon or Ko-Fi for smaller podcasters who are ready to start making some money. This does take the work of cultivating a community and it does take the work of coming up with extra content. I think that the My Skeptical Sister Patreon community is one of the best and brightest I recently had Aaron and Megan on a Pass the Mic episode, and I am privileged enough to get to work with these ladies, and the community that they have built is just absolutely wonderful. They have a Facebook community and a movie night for their patrons, and it really feels like a family. So that is the way that I would go. I hope this helps, Fiona, and I'd love to hear more about your show. If you have a podcasting question that you'd like answered on the show, you can email me at rue.sonivia at gmail.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at Sonivia Studios. Next week, I will be back to talk about how podcasters can use social media to cultivate a community, just like what we were talking about, and find their audience. In the meantime, share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And while you're there, drop me a rating or a review, because just like your show, mine needs those to grow. The conversation keeps going, and I share even more podcasting tips and tricks on Instagram at Sonivia Studios, so head over there. Thanks for helping me take podcasting up an octave.